If you show up with energy and enthusiasm, everything's possible. I believe that the opposite of depression, it's not happiness, it's purpose. I believe that every single person has something unique to contribute to the world. And that's why I wanted to create a show called Don't Keep Your Day Job. Don't Keep Your Day Job is about figuring out what it is that you were here to do in this world that only you can do to make the world more whole, more beautiful, and to stop selling yourself short and to stop sitting it out and to figure out how to take this thing you love, whether it's art or music or screenwriting or dance or baking, and how do you weave this thing that you love into a life that you get to contribute, that you get to do what you love full time because it's not just about business, it's about contribution, it's about meaning. That is what we seek, that is what we truly want, and you absolutely are here to serve the world, and I want to help you figure out just how much value you have inside of you. And every single week, we're going to be talking to people who have something to add to help you get out of your own way, to help you be more successful, to help you be the truest expression of you. My name is Kathy Heller. I'm so glad that you're here. Let's dive in. Thanks to ShipStation for supporting Don't Keep Your Day Job. No matter where you're selling, Amazon, Etsy, your own website, ShipStation brings all your orders into one simple interface, making them really easy to manage from any device, even your cell phone. Use my offer code DREAMJOB to get a 60-day free trial. Hey guys, it's Kathy Heller. Welcome back to another episode of Don't Keep Your Day Job. So I just wanted to share something personal that happened over the weekend, which I thought was pretty, pretty awesome. I took my kids to see Onward and my husband and I, we both loved it. All the kids loved it. We cried. We laughed. Such a beautiful movie. Well done, Pixar team. So great. And during the movie, I was really thinking about my husband and his childhood because the storyline related a lot to him. And I was crying, really thinking about how he was viewing this movie and it was just so touching. And when we left the theater, it dawned on me that one of the main threads of the movie, I actually related to it. And, um, and I started thinking about my grandfather, who I never met. My mom was pregnant with me when he suddenly passed away. And everything I've ever heard about him, he was just such a bright light and everybody loved him. In fact, my grandmother and grandfather, they met at Roseland, which is a dance hall in Harlem. And Ella Fitzgerald used to sing and people would come to dance. And my grandparents met. They were both dancers and they were so good that they were on the radio because that's what there was at the time. There was no TV and they won all these competitions. And I've just heard like what an incredible person he was, not just that he was an amazing dancer, but he was a kind person. He was responsible. He cared about other people. He was ethical. And um, it's just so inspiring to me when I hear about him. And I was thinking about the movie and I started to tear up because there was a part of the movie that really related to, to who he was and what I was feeling. And for some reason, I decided to text my mom and I asked her when is Papa's birthday. And I just, I, I didn't know when his birthday was and I wasn't sure. And um, I put my phone away and we walked to lunch and we sat down and I took my phone out to see if she had texted back. And she texted back March 7th, 1916. And I just cried and I looked at my husband and I said, do you get it? And he said, yeah, I get it. And you guys, this was two days ago. And you know what the date was? March 7th. And I felt like it was a little wink from God, from him. Sometimes I feel like we're living in these moments and God's signature is on the bottom corner of the picture of this moment that we're living in. You know, I don't know what to say about it. You know, I mean, the odds are very slim. You know, it's one out of 365 days that I could have possibly gone to this movie and I could have possibly had this moment where I felt like this movie was communicating to me something that maybe he wanted to communicate to me, but never could because we never met. And then I asked my mom, when's his birthday? And I knew it was sometime in the spring. And of all the days, she tells me it's March 7th, which was the day that I was asking her, when's his birthday? So 
I guess there's a lot of wonder and magic. And, you know, there's certain things that are so real, they couldn't be more real, right? Like gravity. It's real, but we don't see it. We can't touch it, but boy, can we feel it. Love, you know? Boy, is it real. We can feel it, but we can't see it. And sometimes I think that we're swimming in magic. And sometimes I think that the reason my life, whatever wonder and beauty has come, in some ways I've always felt like he's been with me, like a guardian angel. And I think that when we step out on faith and we we have the courage to see what people don't see with the eyes, when we have the courage to let our heart be the map. It's just amazing what happens. And um, our guest today, Ian LaPatton, is just such a bright light. And I think that you'll hear how his story really is one of of magic as well. So um, I want to dive into that now, but I just wanted to share that with you. Thanks for letting me share. So I'm going to dedicate this episode to Papa Ben. And um, I want to thank you for watching over me and being with me. And you might not have been here physically, but I know you've been here. And I know that I get to carry out your legacy and such an honor and such a privilege. So today's episode is amazing. Such a good one. I sat down with the awesome Ian LaPatton, the co-founder of Spiritual Gangster, one of my favorite clothing brands. If you're a fan of the show, you probably heard me mention them before because I not only love their clothes, but I love how clear they are about their customer. And it really comes through in their messaging in every single t-shirt and hoodie. It's so brilliant. But in case you're not familiar, Spiritual Gangster is a hip yoga line that's all about spreading good vibes, giving back, and choosing kindness. For every item sold, they donate some of the proceeds to provide a meal for someone. And get this, they've donated over 12 million meals. It's just amazing how a little idea to put a message on a t-shirt has become this whole movement about spreading good and inspiring positivity, generosity, kindness, and connectedness. Ian radiates so much enthusiasm and energy in everything he does, and he's such a genuine person. It was such an honor to have this conversation with him. So without further ado, please welcome the wonderful Ian LaPatton. Ian! I'm so happy. I feel like it's a little bit like Christmas today because you're here and I love you and I love what you do. Tell us a little bit about the journey before Spiritual Gangster. Where does this even begin for you? So I'm going to go back to sort of my childhood. So I was a Jewish kid growing up in Detroit and uh, my father was a lawyer. My mom was into a lot of like alternative medicine. We would have yoga teachers from like uh, Sachinananda's ashram come in and teaching yoga in our you know, back room. And, you know, I was doing like shoulder stands as a kid. I found these pictures, but I used to think my mom was, you know, it's just, she was way out there. It wasn't sort of normal then. And, um, you know, then I ended up going to school in Nashville and I ended up going to law school in LA. Uh, my dad was like, you know, you can do whatever you want, but if you go to law school and become a lawyer, at least I know you won't be pumping gas for a living. So <laughs> cut to my time in law school in California. And this was like mid nineties. And I started going to yoga. I really got addicted to yoga and I was watching yoga boom during my first and second year of law school. There'd be like five or six people in the class. And my mom was like, you should go check it out. It would, you know, I was stressed out. I uh, just kind of gotten over a relationship with uh, my college girlfriend and just, you know, getting into law school was like, it was a very sort of win-lose competitive environment that just produced a lot of stress. So I went to yoga in Malibu the first time and it felt amazing. I was like, wow, this is awesome. And then I went to go see my mom who at that time was living in Florida and I was told her, hey, I went to yoga. This is great. And she gave me a yoga book. And I was flying back from, I think, Fort Lauderdale or Miami to LA, and I had my yoga book, and I sat in the airplane, and there was this Indian guy in his satin jacket and his wife, and I picked up my yoga book, and he, he looks at me, and he goes, you do yoga? I am Vikram. And I was like, oh, you want to see my yoga book? And he looked at me, he goes, I have my own book, two million copies. So we landed. <laughs> oh, my God. And I had no idea who the guy was. At so time, not gave, normal. Not he normal. He gave me his card, and I was like, okay, if I don't get this. So I went to Borders Bookstore, literally when I landed in the taxi, and bought Bikram's yoga book. And then the next morning, I went to his class. And I started going to yoga sometimes twice a day before and after, and really was getting, I want to say, almost addicted to yoga. 
And then I ended up my last year of law school writing a business plan on yoga studios. And I did a teacher training in LA at Yoga Works while I was in law school. And I sent out the business plan to uh, a couple of my friends. They're like, oh, this is great. Where are you going to do it? And, you know, in LA, yoga was kind of booming. At this point, with classes that used to have eight people and it now had like 80. And I came to Arizona on like a family vacation. We used to come out here and I was like, oh, I'm going to go check out the yoga studio. And I couldn't find it. And then I found what was the supposedly the best of yoga in Phoenix. And it was like the dirtiest, dingiest basement of like the Motel 6. I was like, no way is anyone to go here. So I ended up, my mom also had, was very connected and very spiritual. And she had a friend of hers who's was probably in her 60s at the time. And her son was a doctor in San Diego. So she came and met me at my law office where I was doing like my summer internship of the job that I was going to take. And she said, I, you know, your mom's told me all about you. Uh, I used to have a yoga studio in Phoenix. I think we should do this together. We should be partners and we should open a yoga studio in Phoenix. I was like, okay, that's great. Because at that point, I wasn't even teaching yoga. I didn't even think that I was going to actually move to Phoenix, but I knew there was no yoga studios in Phoenix. So one sort of thing led to another. You know, my business plan, I sent out to a bunch of friends and like six of them sent me money. And then I got about like a $30,000 bonus for the law job that I was going to take in L.A., so before I took the bar in California, I moved to Arizona, spent my like law bonus and the money I raised and opened uh, the first yoga studio in Phoenix. And then I basically, oh my God. I had to come back and start my job, I think November 1st. Everyone else started like in the summer, but I, I basically took the last day possible to fly back to LA and you know, start being a lawyer. And then at times I would be a lawyer during the week and on weekends I would fly out to Phoenix and teach yoga where I just sort of started and cut to about three months later, I was on a a vacation with one of my best friends growing up and his dad was very successful and always like a father to me. And he's like, Ian, your business will never work unless you like go, go quit your law job and, uh, and go move to Phoenix. So this is a really funny story of like even me quitting my law job. It was over Christmas, I flew back and I was went in the office and I was like looking for all the partners to quit to. And I was like really nervous. <laughs> and, and like day one, none of the partners were there. Cut to like day four, like, cause everyone was on vacation. So I was like in there waiting to quit. And day four, I finally went into the partner's office. I'm like, hey, I, I have this other business, I need to quit. And they had just given me another bonus for over Christmas holidays that I was like, can I give you the Christmas bonus back? He said, no, you can keep it. But if it doesn't work out, you can come back here and be a lawyer. So I ended up, you know, that was my last time actually being a lawyer or really working for anyone else. And I moved to Arizona. And then like the first couple of years, I was like, what am I doing? I'm like driving down the street in Phoenix. I'm like, what am I doing here? Like I'm the yoga teacher of Phoenix. And so we had that business for 13 years. And over that time, I taught yoga all over the world. And we had a huge teacher training business. And you know, being Jewish, when the business turned 13 years old, I'm like, okay, I'm ready to do something else. So I was really looking for a way to exit the business. And uh, I was able to uh, get in contact with Lifetime Fitness and their CEO, and was able to sell the yoga business to Lifetime Fitness, which I still, you know, own a piece of their business and help them build their yoga business by bringing in a couple other friends of mine who now run their yoga business. But what happened was, you know, when we were teaching yoga, I used to teach yoga to hip hop rap music. So we kind of sort of invented uh, yoga to rap music. And what would happen is you'd get all these people in the room and they'd be like a school of fish. So it all start moving together. And, you know, at times I was able to teach, you know, I was the yoga teacher at Bonnaroo Music Festival with thousands of people. I would talk, like, I had Michael Franti play with me at Rothbury, and we had, like, 3,000 people doing yoga to live music in, in the morning of these festivals. And a friend came up to me after class one time, and she said, you're like a gangster, a spiritual gangster. So we ended up making Famous t-shirts. last words. Oh, boy. I was like, this is a great one. So we started making t-shirts in our yoga studio that said spiritual gangster. My wife, Vanessa, was running in our store. And she's also been on the cover of Yoga Journal at that time, like four or five times. And we basically started Spiritual Gangsters, the house brand for our yoga studio. And it also was something that when we were, we were ready to sell at One Yoga, it gave us something else to focus on and transition into. But the sort of long backstory is it, it came from, you know, my love of yoga and our yoga studios here in Arizona. I'm obsessed with this story. It's so good. And you, let me tell you something about you. You are so endearing and genuine. You would think that everyone who does yoga and mindfulness has the sweetness that you have. It's not always like that. 
There's a lot of people who are a little pretentious about it. There's something about you that is, is just goodness. I'm telling you that. And you know what I mean. It's awesome. Well, and thank you. I mean, true. I I felt like, you know, even we got into yoga, I felt like, oh, I was going from a lawyer to getting into yoga. And I thought all these people were like holier than thou. And also yoga was like very granola and crunchy. We got involved and it wasn't cool. So we wanted to cut, we wanted to make something that was accessible to people. Yeah. And that's really what our yoga started as. It was almost like a third place. It was, had a spiritual component. It had a fitness component and it had a community component, which was super important. Yeah. And, you know, I did find out early days that even like I found some lawyers much more pleasant than some of the yoga teachers we would bring in to teach. It was really wild. That's so interesting. So let's talk about what then happened because it started with this in-house, like let's make a couple of t-shirts. Your wife is on the cover of some journals. I can see how people maybe see her wearing it, but now it's literally everywhere. Now I'm not joking. I go to Bloomingdale's and I head right to that one section. I'm like, just what's all your new spiritual gang strip? That's what I do every time. So this is so big. So what happens? Tell us the progression. So after we ended up selling the yoga business for two or three years, it was more of an expensive hobby. We were making it out of our garage. We were printing on blanks. You know, my kids were tagging with my wife at the table. We were shipping out of our garage or even apartment we had here. And after about two or three years, we we're, were thinking, okay, what should we do? And we actually tried to kill the business for a few times. No way. We like, oh, we don't want to do this. I don't know if this is because it was, it was really an expensive hobby costing us so a few hundred grand a year. Yeah. And then we had, a, you know, Equinox was a, one of our first customers. And during the holidays, they put us in all doors in New York City and gave wow. us a huge order. And because we were so connected in the yoga world, like Yoga Works, Core Power Yoga kept ordering and ordering, and they kept ordering more. So we're like, okay, now it's time to make this a business. And, then and what did you have at that point? T-shirts and sweatshirts just, or everything? Just T-shirts and sweatshirts. And okay. we were literally printing on blanks. So we weren't doing any cutting. So we, weren't, we were buying the blanks. We were printing them. We were... I don't even know if we were ripping the labels out at that time or not. We're just retagging it, but it was a very simple business. Yep. So I would say it's a 10 year overnight sensation, but it's really only been a business for like five or six years. So we decided to get intentional and turn it into a business. And I used to go, um, I do a lot of like off country skiing. And one of my friends who I did a lot of, of skiing course you with, do. What do you not do? <laughs> and then I do that. Of course. Yeah. Right. So we would do like a lot of hella skiing <laughs> and cat skiing together. And we had some mutual friends and a friend of mine, his family business was O'Neill Sir. So I said, Hey, we really, you know, we don't know much about apparel We're, you know, I need some help in figuring out how to grow the business. He said, how big are you? I said, we're about a half a million bucks. He's like, I can't help you. You need to come back when you're 5 million. If you get to 5 million, we'll see what we can do. So cut to the next year we went skiing together. I said, Hey, Daniel, I need your help. He goes, how big are you? I said, we're 5 million. So we went from like, you know, 600 grand to 5 million just really one year pretty much in one year and that was the first year of really consciously focusing on doing business and at that point it was almost all online so now then we shifted over to to that platform and that was about four years ago and now we've been really scaling up so it's been you know quite a journey but that was like one of our first steps and then we had a friend of ours who you know we met through a bunch of coincidence and serendipity and she helped us for a little while. She was able to get us in all windows, you know, about four years ago at the holidays at Bloomingdale. So it was like we had these major, and that was like when we, we had maybe four accounts, Equinox, Bloomingdale's. So we had a lot of synchronicities and coincidences that like lined us up in the beginning. You know, and then we've now, you know, to me, it's we've always had, I tell people Spiritual Gangsters, a movement disguised as a clothing company, and the brand's always been a lot bigger than the business. And for me, it's always been about a, a mission of how do we, you know, learn all the things we learned in the yoga studios of, you know, positivity and taking care of yourself and doing charity and doing well to do good or doing good to do well. And how do we scale that globally? Because what I realized in the yoga business, it was there was so much labor to scale and was managing all these people. Although that still is the case in this business, but it was how do we take a business and, and create some products that can have the ethos and the vibe that we learn and really create this global movement. So right now it's mostly women's clothing, but we do believe, you know, we're adding men's now, we're getting other accessories, but just giving people, you know, people, I almost, we joke that it's like superhero kids for adults clothes for adults so you put it on and you feel better and you know yeah. people stop you in the street and they say oh i'm a spiritual gangster oh that's cool or so the idea is just getting people to feel better about themselves and then hopefully to like a uh, you know a trickle down effect 
you know, sharing things that are like good for you, good for the environment, you know, great travel, great things that we believe in. And hopefully along the way that continues to stick, you know, one of the things we're most proud of so far, we've, we've donated over 12 million meals to Feeding America. So we've done a lot of, you know, we call it karmic business partners, but we have Feeding America, we have the Cambodian Children's Fund, we have Make-A-Wish, who I've been on the board and a huge supporter of, of really, you know, using spiritual gangster as a force for good. And it's, you know, yes, it's about making money and being profitable, but it's also about making a difference and making an impact and sharing with your with people what you love. It's so amazing. And you've done it all so well. And I wish you really knew me because I want you to know how genuine I, you're just going to be like, she's just nice. And what is that? But people who listen to my show would get it. It's really amazing. And you said earlier, you're going to be Ian. you're already so successful by every metric, but you're going to be like, so like Howard Schultz was here and you said what he said. And you know that, you know that that's his line. You know, I've read Howard's book way back and I, you know, I, I've, I took one of the things from pour your heart into it because that's when we created at one yoga. It was very much about creating that third place. Let's talk about what you just said, because anyone who's listening to this show needs to understand what you just said. You have been creating so much more than clothing. And that is clear. It's so clear that the clothing is just like one piece of what's really going on. And what's really going on is a movement. What's really going on is some, it's a lifestyle. It's a mission. How do you do that? How are you putting that out there through your social media, through the way you deal with any human? Like, what does that mean that you're creating and how, how does your team know how to intentionally be working on that? So first off, great question. And, you know, in the beginning we kind of kept that all to ourselves behind the curtain. So it wasn't something like we said, oh, hey, we're doing all this for Feeding America. Or, you know, we just kept that as sort of the secret sauce behind what we were doing. You know, one of the things now we're discussing and really talking about is how do we kind of amplify the message that we're more than just clothes and we are a movement and what do we stand for and how do we get that out? In the beginning, we wanted, we were actually a little shy about that because we didn't want to sort of brag about, oh, look at what good we're doing or, you know, that just felt a little awkward. So we just yeah. wanted to take the steps and do it. You know, Feeding America has been huge for us. And that's been like, you know, from the beginning, since the first time we sold anything, we, you know, I have a teacher, his name's Geisha Michael Roach, and he wrote the book, The Diamond Cutter. He was the first Buddhist guy to become like a geisha. And one of the things he taught me you know, it's like important to really plant seeds and if you know, you kind of grow what you want, but it's also important to get whether you call it God or the universe or get them on your side and make them your partner. So it's more than about just, hey, we want to make money, but it's we have to make a difference and you're you're really providing the fuel for your wins and everything else. So in the beginning, that was super important from when we started and we've always been doing it and then finding ways how to impact, you know, and how to how to share what we love. And, you know, one of the things that we when we were figuring out who to really make our karmic business partner. You know, we, we live in such abundance in this country's, you know, no one should have to worry about a meal. So one thing we found there's, you know, like 20% of kids like who are going to school don't, can't even get lunch. So we're like, we can actually solve this problem. This is something that should not be a problem. There's also a charity in Israel, Leket, that, you know, we're working with as well. So it's not just in the U.S., but we wanted to find something that, well, one, we could bring attention to, we could make a difference too. And then, you know, the other thing that I realized too, is I used to just give and donate and do it anonymously. But I realized now that, you know, one of the greatest things that I have is my network. So we can light up our network to share with people what we believe in and then, you know, raise way more awareness and money for it. Uh -huh. So that's really now what we're being intentional with spiritual gangsters. Like, what do we want to solve? What's the right way to share it? How do we communicate this? You know, with our staff, we do, we do a thing, you know, where we go to the food banks and they all work it so they can kind of see it. And, you know, the first food bank was um, actually in Arizona, but we do a lot with the stuff in California. And we do another thing called uh, hashtag lunchbacks where, uh, where we bring all these people together and we film it and we put it out there and we allow people to participate as well as just give money. And we now we're creating a little bit of, you know, video around it to kind of share about it. But I think, you know, going forward, this is something we're going to turn up the volume on a lot more and amplify it because it's, we believe in it so much, but you know, it's interesting. I'll go to Bloomingdale's and people don't even know we, we do any of this stuff. So I think on some level, 
it works because it's behind the scenes, but also too now what we realize in order to really amplify our movement and get the word out there, we're going to be more intentional about how to share it. And even doing things like, like this with you is, is another way to tell, tell people, hey, this is who we are and this is why we're doing it. And this was what it's about, but it's a big why for us. You know, the why is how do we, you know, raise the consciousness? We say raise, raise your vibration, spiritual. So how do we raise the consciousness of the people we come in into contact with? And I always talk about win-win. And it's not just about, you know, me winning or our employees winning, but it's about our customers winning. It's about like the FedEx guy or the UPS guy who walks into our place and he feels better in winning and everyone who works for us. So it's like, how can we create something with such a, a vibe of positivity that everyone who has an experience with our brand feels stoked, whether they know me or Vanessa or employees or not. But that's really in its essence what it's about. You know, how do we make people feel better when they come into contact with who we are? And how do we do a better job of sharing with what we're about? A hundred percent. My audience knows this. You're the only person who's spoken this much about giving back. Also, Everything you're saying and what you said earlier, it reminds me that I once heard a friend of mine say, we don't buy things, we buy feelings. And I'm not surprised that Spiritual Gangster, that people see it and they want to buy it because it makes you feel something. How often can you say that about a pair of pants or clothes or jacket? Let's talk about those feelings. Let's talk about what you decide to print on those shirts. Um, love yourself like crazy mystical, you know, all the things that you talk about, what are you hoping in terms of the feelings that people are feeling when they're wearing those clothes and what they're representing in the world? We have a lot of like putting things together, but the idea is to make people feel better about themselves and feel better about what they're standing for. You know, I can't tell you how many people come up to me and like say, oh, you know, I was going through this health scare and this was a shirt I wore every day for my chemo. Or this was the shirt that I wear, I wear Believe in Miracles and every all the lucky, I get super lucky all the time. So it's just, we want people to feel awesome, really. We want them to feel awesome. We want to remind them that it's possible. And, you know, I'm a big, you know, fan and friend of Tony Robbins, and it's all about changing your state. So it's like, how do we put people in that great state that when they put on their, you know, spiritual gangster shirt, they're already getting into that channel. So they're maybe more open or more, you know, so it's all about things that raise the vibration of them personally and then ultimately allow them to raise the vibration of the planet. But, you know, I would say the, the ethos of spiritual things or the essence of it is like we want people to feel good and we want, we want people to express themselves. And we want them to feel good by also being positive and, and doing good. Yeah. So hopefully it's, it becomes an inspiration for them to do more and feel great. And it totally does. It's mission accomplished. When Seth Godin was here, uh, he's like a personal mentor to me and he was just here a second time. And every time he's here, we talk about what's mar what is marketing and what is business. And he always says, it's radical empathy. That's what it is. And that's you, right? I mean, that's everything we're talking about right now. Yeah, and I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I really think that, you know, people vote with their dollars. That's what I tell our whole staff. And it's, it's people are buying products. Like you said earlier, they're buying feelings. And, you know, I, I remember to this day, you know, I was in Italy when I used to do yoga retreats and I went shopping in Italy and I was trying on clothes and the person in the store wasn't like, how do you look? They said, how do you feel? Yeah. You know, and if that's really what it's, it's like, I think, you know, you can have anything and most people, most of that have way too much stuff anyway. But how do you have the things that you have? How do they make you feel? And when you put on your spiritual gangster shirt, you know, from a lot of people I talk to, including myself, I'm going to go out and represent that in the world today and, and, and make other people feel better. And I'm going to be in a positive state. And, you know, it, it resonates with people all across the map, right? There's like people from church and older people. And, you know, so it, to us, we've been very clear about not wanting to limit who can be a spiritual gangster because yeah, yeah. everyone's a spiritual gangster and it brings out sort of like, you know, how do you, how do you one feel better about yourself? How do you go out and take positive action in the world to share what you believe in? Yeah. You know, and I, I'm a big believer in give what you love. You know, another thing mm -hmm. that I learned from Geisha Michael Roach is figure out what you want and then kind of go help other people get exactly what you want because then it'll come back to you. So, you know, I think that, <sighs> You know, Spiritual Gangster for us, like I said, it's a movement disguised as a clothing company. It's really about positivity and spreading great vibes and, you know, uplifting, you know, everyone who we come in contact with, whether they buy our products or not. Yeah.
We have so much more to get to, but first let's just take a quick ad break. I love it when you guys tell me, wow, I made my first sale of my greeting cards or I'm getting so many orders of my handmade scarves. And when you start selling online, it can be exciting, but it can also be a little bit of a headache. How do you keep track of who gets what? Which shipping carrier should you use? Are you getting the best rates? That's why you need ShipStation.com. It's the fastest, easiest, and most affordable way to manage and ship your orders. In just a few clicks, you can manage your orders, print out labels, and get product out fast to keep your customers happy. I think you'll love this because ShipStation brings all your orders into one simple interface, no matter whether you're selling on Amazon, Etsy, or your own website. And for someone like me, who's always on the go, this is really convenient because you can manage them from any device, even your cell phone. ShipStation works with all the major carriers, including USPS, FedEx, UPS, even Amazon Fulfillment. So you can compare and choose the best shipping solution for you and your customer. And right now, Don't Keep Your Day Job listeners can try ShipStation free for 60 days when you use my offer code DREAMJOB. There's absolutely no risk. You can start your free trial without even entering your credit card info. Just visit ShipStation.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in DREAMJOB. That's ShipStation.com, then enter offer code DREAMJOB, ShipStation.com. Make ship happen. Let's talk about this for a second because talking about helping people feel that way and putting on this jacket or putting on this sweatshirt and you're like, all right, I can do this today. I can crush it. And I love the change your state. I'm such a Tony fan also. So the thing is, a lot of people listen to this show. It's the saddest thing, Ian. It really like hurts me. The number one thing that's, that's standing in our way is like our own upper limit. And people walk around feeling that they're not worthy. That uh, why would I post something or help someone or get a teacher training certificate. There's already a a thousand other good yoga teachers. There's a real deep sense of um, self-doubt. And it's probably something that we picked up in childhood or maybe our parents didn't feel that about themselves. They modeled that. I know that you get it. You're, You're like a lightning rod. There's something about you. You don't even have to talk. I just feel it in your smile and I feel it in your eyes. And it's probably because of your delicious mom and and a few of the things that you already shared, but also in your own practice, you learn to come home to yourself and you learn that yourself is like part of this bigger self, right? It's not just you, Ian. It's like you, Ian, are a channel for something bigger. I get that. I can feel that. How do you help people who are listening right now who they maybe haven't put in those hours in the studio to click into that bigger place? And so they get caught up in this, Whatever this thing is in their mind that says, I'm only this, I'm not good at this. How do you help them get over that feeling of imposter syndrome? Well, I think a lot of it is to start small, right? You build momentum and, and chalk up wins. And I think, too, being really intentional. So I think it's super important to what, how do you want to contribute? And, it's, you know, it's almost cliche now, but it's like if you focus on the other versus focus on yourself, you're going to have so much more wins and momentum and feel better about it. So finding ways that you can contribute on a really simple way and then that cascades and cascades into more. I'm going to share with you a practice that I do and I've oh, awesome. done for, for seven years and it just seems fitting. So one of the things that I've done since I sold our yoga studio, because I still love to teach, but I haven't been teaching much, is I volunteer twice a week at the Jewish old folks home and I teach Tai Chi every morning. And I've had now people who are you know into their hundreds who become my really great friends. And I have a one lady who just had, you know, three cancer surgeries and, you know, and I'm doing it just to kind of do it. But the amount that I get from when they share to me of like, what an impact that I've had on their lives and how this has changed. And, and these people are evolving in their eighties, right? They're going through all this and growing and opening up. So I get 10 X more out of that than I could have ever gotten anyone else. But, you know, one of the things is go, go volunteer where people, no one wants to hang out with old people. So I literally, at first I was like, what can I do to go help them out? I volunteered to be the bartender and they're like, Oh, we can't have drinks here. I'm like, okay, I'll teach Tai Chi. And you know, to this day, I've met so many amazing people who I would have never had contact with. And what they share with me about sort of the influence I've had on them is priceless. So there's so many people who are in need of help, whether it's the person who needs to eat, whether it's the old person who has no family and no one wants to hang out with, So there's so many ways for us to be of service and to get real wins. And then you help your friends and you help their friends, friends. And, you know, I just think that uh, it snowballs. You know, what I realized is that I can have an impact on all these, all these people and just really taking the time now. And there's a while where I wouldn't take the time and listen and hear and get the feedback and really understand that, you know, life's about making a difference, right? And we're here for a short period and we come into contact with so many people. But I think that 
go to an old folks home or go to something where, you know, no one's going to tell you you can't do it. Sometimes I have one people in the class. Sometimes I have 15, right? And, you know, a lot of them have even passed away by now. But it's a really interesting thing. There's all these opportunities to be of service. You just got to figure out who you want to help and get started. You are so rich. Really. I have this mug my, somebody made me because I said this on my show one time, which says the opposite of depression is not happiness, it's purpose. And I feel like that's what I learned when I lived in Israel after college for a few years is that, you know, that God doesn't make extras. And like, if I'm here, he needs me. Like, you know, and my job is not to worry about myself. It's like, how can I be of use? And I think we all have this constant, like, well, I'm not as good as this one. It's like, can you just be available? Like, maybe you're not. Like, no, you're not the Messiah. Newsflash. But are you available just to do whatever? Like, was I the best person to start a podcast empirically? No. Was I the best person to do anything? No. It's like, can you just make space? Yes. Can you show up and have empathy? Yes. And where does that lead? And it's unbelievable to me, like the way that you talk and the way that you live. You guys, listen to me. This man does not, like he has so much to do. He's busy. He's running a multi-million dollar company. He's cool. He's already done good things. And he's going to a Jewish old age home in the morning. That's amazing. That's well, and, it. And also too, I can tell you, I've never left that feeling anything but stoked. I feel amazing when I walk out of that. Stoked. And it's just, it. it's just such a, a great way to start the day. Um, so I think that, you know, I encourage, there's so many different things that you can do to have an impact. And even if you have an impact on one person, it snowballs and, and how it makes you feel about yourself. Well, it transforms like a, what you're able to do for the rest of your day. But you also, you know, I think, you know, self-esteem and self-confidence is one of the greatest assets that someone can have. And you get that by helping others. It's so true. Being a spiritual gangster, what does that mean? Do you need to have a spiritual practice? Is there one baby bit of like spirituality that anyone can get on board with that's not like going to offend anyone that you think is something that we could all practice a little bit? What does that mean to you? So I think spirit, there's just a higher power, a higher purpose in our lives, and we're all connected, you know, and I think that we're all very spiritual beings, you know, and I think, you know, I was raised Jewish, but I got way more spiritual from going, getting into yoga and all this other stuff. And now I've come back and embraced my Judaism, the spirituality in that. But for me, being a spiritual gangster, just, it's all about, you know, embracing coincidence and serendipity and synchronicities, planting the right seeds. You know, I'm a big believer in, you know, you're growing your own karma, you know, so whatever you want, you share it. Um, and I think just having that mentality that you can make a difference and you know, something you said earlier, which I think it's really important about you know, like even your podcast. So like when I started teaching yoga, I had no business teaching yoga. I, I barely knew anything about yoga. I remember one of the first guys I wanted to hire out here, he came over and he did a private and halfway through it, he looks at me, he's like, do you even do yoga? Oh my God, so, it was, so rude. So it was great. But I think that in order to be a great teacher, you don't necessarily need to know everything. You just got to start where you're at. And I, you know, I think somebody said something yesterday that I heard. It's like, to be a good teacher, you just need to be one step ahead. You know, you don't need to be 30 steps ahead. If you're one step ahead and sharing it, then, you know, you're, you're doing a great job. And I think so many people think they need to be an absolute expert before yes. they get involved. And, you know, I'm always a big believer. It's like you teach what you need to learn the most, right? So mm -hmm. there's no better way to become a master of that information than by teaching and sharing it. And then you really own it. Yep. And that's what I discovered in law school. I would get everyone else's outlines and I would teach them their outlines and I finished half of my class, but I didn't even know it till I kind of, had to teach it. Yeah. So I, you know, I think that part of what we do is, you know, figure out something you have a passion for and then share it with others. And then by doing that, not only are you helping them out because you're a little bit further ahead, but also too, you're helping yourself really become a master and get better at what yeah. you're doing. And then even with the clothing, like you said, we just started it. It wasn't like we had this intention that we were going to be this huge brand. You didn't know that when you started. And I think that's another question that we get from our audience is, you think that people are listening to podcasts because they want to learn how to market. They want to learn how to build the business. But usually what we hear is, Kath, I don't even know what my thing is. Like, I don't know what my purpose is. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And I think there's a lot of people struggling with that. And I've listened to your story and it, there's been so many beautiful pivots along the way. So what do you say to someone when they're like, what's my thing? Like, what was I put in the world to do? I have no clarity on that. So I'm just going to wait until I get an email from God with like my, you know, what I'm supposed to do with my life. What do you say to that? 
So my dad told me, one of his greatest advice to me is always like, you'll figure it out. And I think you have to realize you'll figure it out. And I think that, you know, you just kind of start moving down the path and things appear to you as you go. You know, there's actually a great story and it talks about like in, in uh, Jewish mythology, there's like seven gates to get the kingdom of heaven. And the way it works is until you shut that other gate and walk away, the next gate doesn't appear. Oof, so there's wow. part of it is like, you know, even from quitting my law job to become a yoga teacher, quitting my selling my yoga business to now get an apparel, all of which I knew nothing about the next step, right? But you have to actually close the other door and go. And then all of a sudden the path appears once you start walking. Um, and I that's think that's what powerful. happens in life. I mean, everything, I'm a big believer, everything in life is coming from me. So, you know, you get what you put out there and that's the whole idea of karma, but things will show up and I don't want to call it magically appear for you, but things appear for you to help you on your way right when they're needed. You know, now I, I rely on those things happening and showing up. That's amazing. I've never heard that story. I don't know how, how I missed it, but that's an amazing, it's like the Tony Robbins, like you got to burn the boats, you know, you take the island, you burn exactly. the boats. Boom. You got it. And I think there's a big, huge thing that happens energetically when you commit to something and go for it, that then all the powers of the universe come up to assist you. But until you go for it, it doesn't happen. Yeah. And it seems to me like every movie I've ever seen, whether it's Rocky or Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, every movie is that story. It's like, that's the hero's journey of, I, you know, I got knocked out and something inside of me is like ready to just completely give up. And for some reason, I'm still marching forward. And then the courage I have to march forward, I get rewarded for that. It's just how it seems, right? It's like every story. It's like every great story. And I think whether it's Joseph Campbell and, or any great movie you see is like it's the hero's journey and that's part of it, right? And all of this is too, sometimes when you feel the most down is when you're also ready for the greatest breakthrough. Yeah. Like when you kind of meet the resistance, meet the resistance. But I think, you know, I'm a big believer. You have to follow your bliss. And I just think you've got to do what you love and share with others. And, you know, the, the wealth and the abundance and the richness that comes back to you is 10x than you could ever, ever expect it to be. But it's also, it's just sort of like a, a byproduct. That's not the real juice of what it's all about. Yeah. You know, everyone's always asking me, like, what do you do to build a community overnight? How do you get more followers? How do you, th like, as if there's like a hack that I'm like keeping from someone, as if I knew it, I would share it, you know? And your community, if you look, this is the thing about your community. If you look at a spiritual gangster post, or if you look at an article or anything spiritual gangster, the engagement is huge. It's like, forget how many... Look how many people are engaging with it, like as if they're in, it's if it's like theirs. It's like, this is me. This isn't just something I, right? How does that work? Because in the beginning, I'm sure you were doing all these things yourself, whether it was like social or whatever. Now, of course, you have probably have thousands of people helping you. But when people are asking you, how do I, how do, I do social media? How do I market? How do I do it in a way that's effective and engaging? You're, you've done it so beautifully what would be your answer for that? Well, it's funny that you say that because I just had a call all morning with my digital media team and then I got a call after this. So it's obviously something that's super, very important for us and top of mind. I think, you know, one, you got to keep it relevant and you've got to do all the stuff, like there's all the tactics and strategy that are super important too. But I think it's having a real compelling message. You know, and a friend of mine, I'll tell you a story from the early days. So he used to have a TV show and he would wear a spiritual gangster and he would wear other brands on the show. One of them was like Matthew McConaughey's brand. And he said, Ian, when I'm wearing these other brands, I feel like I'm repping their brand. He goes, when I wear spiritual gangster, I feel like I am the brand. So the idea is really letting people know they are the brand and it's, it's a way for them to sort of share the beliefs of who they are and what they're about with the world. And also have, you know, like when you say about their posts and that's why we've been very intentional and not about not narrowing what it means to be a spiritual gangster and letting everyone define it because it's so open. Everyone's a spiritual gangster. That's what I believe. And everyone has a different view of what it means to be a spiritual gangster. or some people it's singing in their church choir some people it's you know hiking machu picchu other people it's going to israel so it's very inclusive i love that when i'm wearing you your clothes I, I don't feel like i'm repping your brand i feel like this is me this is that's it that's so so good oh my god are you still practicing yoga in the same way that you were now, my wife goes every day. I do yoga probably once a week. I do a lot of like Tai Chi and I do a lot of other 
practices. So my yoga has evolved into other things, but I, you know, I'm a daily meditator. I do energy practices. You know, I do, a, I study a lot. There's a guy, Sadhguru, who's become a good friend of mine and my golfing buddy, who's like the Ishta yoga guy. So I do his practices, but I do a lot of like Chinese martial arts practices mixed with yoga, but I, I have a daily practice. And I think that's a real big part of who I am. And you know, I do that ahead of everything because I think it's really allowed me to build my own energy and get more in tune. And also that's why synchronicity, serendipities, coincidences happen all the time because we're all at beams when we're all attract, we live in an energetic universe, right? So we're all attracting different things. And I think the more that you can build and maintain and clean your own energy, the more miraculous your life becomes. And to me, yoga is great. I love yoga, but it's, it's not like the magic pill, just like there's no magic pill for shows for media, but it is a great thing that once you incorporate in your life, it helps you get open. Mm -hmm. And then once you get open, you can start exploring more and more and more. Um, but I am a huge believer in having some sort of daily practice that connects you to a higher power or your source of energy or God or whatever you want to call it. And I think that's part of being a spiritual gangster is really maintaining that connection to something greater. I love that. All of it. I could just take a highlighter and just highlight it all because it's so true. We live in an, it's, it's all energy. It's all energy. And one of the things I learned at the Mindful Awareness Research Center when I studied there a couple of years is that what lights up in the brain more than love is enthusiasm. It's like you, Ian, you're like magnetic because you're so enthusiastic. Every single thing you said today, boom, you're like this and this and this. And that energy, that's why when you walked into those first meetings at Equinox or Bloomingdale's, they were like, whatever this is, here's a check. It's energy. Because let's be clear, there's a lot of other people who've tried to make spiritual type clothing. I don't know the names of those brands. I can't even name one, but I've seen shirts with like, grateful or whatever. Who cares? It's like, there's something going on. That's the engine. It's your enthusiasm. It's your magnetism. That's what's going on. Well, and I think, you know, one of the things that I'm, you know, I am enthusiastic and it's intentional because I care and I'm excited. And, you know, I have a good friend of mine who just got, I grew up with as a couple of kids under two and just got diagnosed by with cancer. Right. So it's like, who knows how many more days you get to live. So you yeah. might as well spend your time one making a difference and being enthusiastic about it. You know, like my rituals in the morning, I get up this morning before our call, I did an hour in the infrared sauna, I went in the ice plunge outside, I did my, my practices. But I, all that makes me who I am. And, you know, it helps increase my energy levels and my enthusiasm and gets all my sensors open. And that doesn't happen by accident. You know, it's not like every any day I look out there, I'm like, God, today's a great day. I just want to jump in this ice pool, right? But also, too, I'm like, I'm getting in. Even if I get in for 30 seconds, right, I'm just going to do that because, you know, it's basically – building that energy up. And then that's how I feel afterwards as well. It's just like going to the old folks home. It's every time I leave there, I feel awesome afterwards. Uh, and sometimes I'm like, I dropped my kids to school. I got all this work to do. I've got other stuff I would rather do maybe, but I'm never sorry after I do it. And it's the same thing with like, you know, all these practices. So I think that, you know, finding ways to get yourself like energetic, enthusiastic to, to increase your health and vitality That'll pay off 10x in your business, in your relationship with your kids. But if you're in a low energy state, everything's impossible. You know, Tony Robbins is great at that. But if you show up with energy and enthusiasm, everything's possible. Mm. So I think that's like one of my greatest takeaways. Like, you know, business is just something we choose to do with our time, right? And you, could, you have a whole life. You can do whatever you want. So one, do something where you can make a difference and that you have a passion about it and care about it. But also do something where you can, you know, I think bring your enthusiasm to it and share it with other people. Because I think the more, other, the more people you can turn on and get them stoked, it snowballs. You're amazing. Tell us where we can find you, where we can buy some clothes, where we can get on board with helping support the mission. Tell us all the things. So spiritualgangster.com. You can come and check out our website. You can check out all of our great product, our apparel. You can hear a little bit about what we're doing with Feeding America and some other charities that we support. You know, I'm happy to take any email. My email is ian at spiritualgangster.com. Is that a joke? I cannot. No, I'm serious. And I would also tell you, you know, a great thing too, if you haven't, check out Feeding America and what they're doing because they really do an amazing thing for this planet. What can we say about you? I hope that we stay in touch because you're amazing. And thank you for all of this. I just feel like I got an infusion this morning, an infusion of light. 
Thank you. Very mutual. Thank you so much for having me on. What an amazing thing you've created too, Kathy. It's so phenomenal. Oh my gosh. I love talking with Ian. Okay. Here are the takeaways. Number one, give what you love. It'll come back to you. Number two, start small, build momentum and chalk up wins. Number three, focus on the other instead of focusing on yourself. Number four, there are so many people in need. There are so many ways to be of service. Life is about making a difference. Number five, in order to be a great teacher, you don't need to know everything. You just need to be one step ahead. Number six, you'll figure it out. Start walking and the path will appear. Number seven, the more you maintain and clear your own energy, the more miraculous your life becomes. Number eight, when you show up with energy and enthusiasm, everything is possible. I love you guys so much. It means the world to me that you come back and you listen to this show. I will continue to show up for you and give you everything that I can to make sure that you feel inspired and encouraged and give you tools to step forward and put more of your brilliance and your light out in the world. We have so many awesome episodes coming up, so make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. And if you like what you're hearing, then share it with a friend. Think to yourself, who might be able to benefit from this episode today and open their door to new possibilities. Send them this episode. It might give them a new way of thinking or a new way of seeing the world and how much more beautiful things can be if we take Ian's advice and let our enthusiasm light the path towards where we can serve the most. You guys are the best. I'm going to be doing more giveaways in honor of Ian. I'm going to be giving away three more awesome teas from Spiritual Gangster. All you have to do is go and talk about the podcast or talk about my book in your Instagram story and tag me and I will pick three of you today and I will be giving you guys uh, an amazing Spiritual Gangster t-shirt and a shout out on my Instagram. I'll leave you with a song of mine and I'll talk to you on Thursday. The podcast is a production of Authentic. For more info on advertising in this show, visit AuthenticShows.com. Authentic Shows.